Hello and welcome. You're listening to Song Stories, Quiet Stories. This is podcast episode 10, Christmas in Taos. I am your host, Carolyn Merced. This is the second bonus episode of the new original one-woman musical, Tales of Tila, which premiered at the Electric Theater in St. George, Utah in October 2018. My special guest, Grandma Tila, will arrive any minute now. Episodes 1 through 7 go in order chronologically. This bonus episode and episode 9, which is called, Relatively Speaking, Stand Alone. She's told me she'll visit us today and for a few more of these episodes. Wouldn't you love for her to come for more than that? I would too. Many thanks to those of you who have sent me your story contributions. Don't be surprised if you hear them in a minute or two. Are you listeners ready to get your Spanglish on? Oh, here she comes. I left the door open for her this time. Hola, this is Tila Miera Trujillo. Not really, it's her granddaughter La Carolina pretending to be me. I don't mind. Don't you think it's time for her to be brave enough to be herself and use her own voice? Because of her, some of you have listened to my other stories and said to yourselves, why in the heck would she do something like that? She must really love me. Speaking of love, that is exactly how I feel about Christmas time. My husband Trujillo and I had 10 children, eight who lived to adulthood. They married and some of them lived nearby. Ralph and Ursula lived in Taos, downtown near the plaza. Lula and Joel's house was by the high school. At Christmas time, they came over in the evening bringing tamales or tortillas. Some of our other kids and their families were only a couple of hours away in Albuquerque. They brought the bizcochito cookies. I'll tell you how to make them in a little while. Nora and Wally lived in California. Tito and Carmen in Denver. Arthur and Ida in Salt Lake City. They brought themselves. The women helped in the kitchen, making the pozole, the empanaditas. The men and older boys went outside and chopped wood for the stove. Earlier in the summer, Nora's son, Lynn, and Lula's Walto went with their grandfather to the mountains to gather the wood. And in return, Trujillo watched them practice driving the truck around the pasture behind the house. I tried not to watch, even though they couldn't drive very fast, because if they wrecked, how would Trujillo take me to Taos Supermarket or to the movies? We'd sold the horses and the buggy after the war, and I don't like to walk if I can get a ride. Because at Christmas time, with all the people visiting, I have to go to the store often to restock the cupboard. I can only carry so many bags in my arms before I start dropping and rolling the oranges that are supposed to go in the Christmas stockings with the nuts and the ribbon candy. It ruins the surprise if any of my grandkids see me struggling, but I don't let them help because I don't want them to tell the other kids what they're going to get in their stocking, even though it's the same thing every year. 
Speaking of Christmas stockings, I will tell a sad story, but don't get mad at me. After the war, those of us who were still at home in Taos talked Trujillo into moving to Los Alamos, where he'd worked during the war. He says we only moved there, so I'd stop nagging him about it. Anyway, one Christmas while there, Nora and Wally came to visit with their two young children, Susan and Lynn. At bedtime, on La Noche Buena, Christmas Eve, Susan wanted to hang up a stocking for her and for her little brother. I told her, Santa doesn't fill the stockings in Los Alamos. If you hang one up, there won't be anything inside it in the morning. Now, technically, I had a believable reason for this little white lie. In the 1940s, during and even after the war, Los Alamos was a secret city while the atomic bomb was being created there, and it wasn't on any map, not even the one that Santa used. Susan didn't believe me and got her dad to pin a couple of stockings on the back of an upholstered chair. In the morning, those stockings were still empty, and she was heartbroken. I warned you this would be sad. No warm and fuzzy Hallmark Christmas story here, other than that she learned to believe. Believe her poor Grandma Tila, who was poor, and too tired to make more presents late that night to put in those stockings to delight her and her little brother Lynn the next morning. I thought she'd be too young to remember, but... 65 years later, it somehow came to mind when her sister, La Carolina, asked her for a Christmas story. Okay, here's a fuzzy and cozy recollection for you. Trujillo and I waited. Our house in Los Alamos was so small that our married children and their families took turns coming to visit us for the holidays. Some of them had very long drives sometimes through the snow to reach us. We waited to celebrate until they arrived, no matter the hour. One year, Jesse was a teen and worked at the bowling alley. He was new at the job and had to work on Christmas Eve. I don't remember which of our kids was visiting us in Los Alamos then, but Jesse was later coming home than usual. It was dark and cold. The roads were icy, and he was on foot. Through here, he said, He'd get off work at nine On the stove, la comida, the food Is warm, we can wait a bit longer to dine We will wait and we'll pray as we should 
we will wait and we'll pray as we should. I'm worried. Look at the clock. It's past ten. We'll wait. Just then Jesse walked through the door, shivering cold. His clothes frozen and covered in snow. My Jesse, you slipped and you fell on the ice. Pobrecito, we felt to console. Pobrecito, we had to console. Take your coat off and put on your pajamas. Trujillo, please put more wood on the stove while I put the food on the table. Everyone, ven a comer. Come and eat. Jesse, come and get warm by the stove. Our son was now safe. Our son was now home. It was la noche buena. Una noche muy buena también. A very good night. Anyway, back to my telling you about Christmases in Taos. The older kids took care of the younger ones while we adults were busy, but somehow little three-year-old Kenny still found his mama's jar of Noxima skincare cream and smeared it all over his face because that's what he'd seen her do with it. But he made a big mess. Lorraine, hold on to him while I go and get a towel. He got it all over his clothes and hair too. Now, if you've put some of that cream on your face, you'll know how it burns a little and makes your eyes water and the mocos run out of your nose. So we couldn't tell whether Kenny was crying because he was hurting and sad about it or just moisturizing. His skin was already soft, so we couldn't tell if the Noxima made a difference or not. The older kids wanted Santa to bring them things like transistor radios or record players. The younger kids were easier to find presents for than the older kids were. Michael, who belonged to Marcia, what do you want Santa to bring you for Christmas? Sticks and gum? Really? That's all? Easy enough. I wish I could remember what he really got. I'm going to have to watch those old home movies again. It's been over 50 years since those wonderful times we could all be together at Christmas. This house was bigger than the one in Los Alamos. Most of us entered through the kitchen door, which was on the east. People who didn't know us that well entered through the front door and into the living room, which was on the south. From the dining room, the living room was directly west. And if you were taller than five feet, nine inches, which most of us were not, except for Ralph, 
You had to duck your head when you walked through the arched doorway and into the living room. It had a large multi-paned window which was hard to keep clean because of my tall house plants, geraniums, Christmas cactus, and so on. It was in front of this window where the Christmas tree stood every December for almost the whole month. Nobody had artificial trees in those days. The tree stand had a basin that you filled with water to keep the tree that was once alive from dying and drying out. There were so many presents underneath it for so many people. Each year, the grandkids took turns at being just the right size to crawl under with a measuring cup of water for the thirsty evergreen. The girls didn't mind getting tinsel icicles stuck on their clothes, but the boys didn't like when those shiny icicles clung to their hair and their shirts. But they all fought to sleep on the floor closest to the tree at night on Christmas Eve, La Noche Buena when we kept the strings of lights on the tree plugged in. A few nights before then was the pageant at the church. The cultural hall ceiling was very high, so it always had a very tall tree. I'll bet those trees every year were 10 or 12 feet high. The tree had Christmas bell ornaments that were made by covering a big paper cup with aluminum foil and each bell had a wide red velvet ribbon tied to the top by the loop hanger. The lights were the bigger kind that some people decorate the outsides of their houses with, but not usually here in Taos because the people here get brown paper bags, the lunch-sized ones, fold over the tops and fill them with sand. Then they put a votive candle inside and light it usually on Christmas Eve, lining the walkways and tops of the houses. We call them farolitos here in Taos and northern New Mexico, but some people call them by a different name that I will not mention here. Okay, I'll say it. Some people call them luminarias, but they are the little bonfires that guide the pilgrim travelers who, between December 16th and the 24th, go door to door reenacting Las Posadas, the journey that Mary and Joseph made to Bethlehem in search for a safe place for her to give birth to the baby Jesus. So, farolitos are the paper bag lanterns which are also used to light the way during those nine days of Las Posadas. And luminarias are the little bonfires. This is the truth according to Gramatila. So, back to the Christmas pageant at our church. We dressed the children like Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, angels, and wise men. And they acted out the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. We sang the religious songs first. Listen now to this one which we would have sung back then if we had known it. It's a lullaby to the baby Jesus. Bendito 
the sacred songs we sang jolly old saint nicholas or mi querido santo claus if you wanted to sing it in spanish then the man in the red suit and the hat and fake white beard came into the room chuckling and shaking his jingle bells and whoever wanted a bag of the same kind of hard candy and nuts and bonbons if you were lucky that they'd get in their Christmas stockings a few days later, came and sat on his lap and told him what they wanted him to bring them, whether they still believed in Santa Claus or not. When my Nora was a little girl, she recognized her father's shoes underneath Santa's pant cuffs, stopped believing, and kept the secret to herself. At least I think she did. The other kids all learned on their own eventually. I wasn't going to spill the beans. How old were you when you learned the truth about Santa? This pageant program is probably similar to the one you go to at your church, if you go to a church. But I'll bet you a chocolate bonbon that your bag has better candy than ours did. 
and you can have my Brazil nuts. I hear that somebody figured out they're really good for you, but who in the heck can crack them open? On Christmas morning, the kids all came into Trujillo's in my bedroom and jumped on our double bed to wake us up and tell us, Santa Claus came! Santa Claus came! We have the whole movies to prove that they jumped on our bed. A northern New Mexico tradition that our family followed when our kids were little was first thing Christmas morning. Arthur, Lula, help the others take their pillows out of the cases. Everyone, find your coats and hats. Marcia is still too little to go. Ralph, would you please take your brothers and sisters around the neighborhood? Don't forget to say Miss Christmas after you knock on the doors. And please, mind your manners and say gracias when they put the fruit and candy and nuts in your pillowcase. Don't let it drag on the ground because you have to put your pillow back in it when you get home. Go now. I have to gather up the goodies to give to your cousins when they come by. I promised you earlier that I would tell you how to make bizcochitos, our traditional Christmas cookie, which is one of the things I gave to the children who came around to our house that morning. Do you like the taste of black licorice? If you don't, you may not like this cookie. I guess you could omit the anise seed, but then it wouldn't be a bizcochito, but that's up to you. Here goes. Don't turn on your oven to 350 degrees just yet because the dough might need to chill for a little while before you roll it out. Are you ready? Six cups flour. If you're picky, sift it. If you're lazy, don't. Three teaspoons baking powder. Use an official measuring spoon, not the one you eat your pozole with. One teaspoon salt. If you forget to add this, you'll know it when you take the first bite. Don't try to be healthy. You need salt to improve the flavor. Even the Bible says it's necessary. A pound of butter or lard. You'll only eat these cookies once a year, so go for the lard. Do you want these to melt in your mouth or don't you? One and one-half cup sugar. And brush your teeth afterwards. Two teaspoons anise seed, which tastes like black licorice and makes your cookies look like bugs crawled into your flour sack. Don't say I didn't warn you. Two eggs. Be sure to thank the hens and bring an extra one in from the coop just in case there's an animal inside one of them. One half cup liquid of your choice. Some use milk, some use orange juice or lemonade. I don't have experience with liquor, but I'm sure if you used it, you wouldn't get drunk. But you might develop a taste for it. Don't say I didn't warn you. Now, mix the flour and the baking powder and the salt together in one bowl and in another bowl with your hand mixer, cream the lard or the butter with the sugar and the anise seed on medium speed. 
in yet another bowl. Make one of the kids wash all of these bowls because so far you've gotten three bowls dirty. Beat the two eggs until they are frothy with bubbles and add them to the sugar mixture. Add the flour mixture and enough liquid to form a stiff dough. You may not need the full amount of liquid that I mentioned earlier, but that doesn't mean I lied to you. It depends on the weather and the amount of humidity in the air. Really, it does. Ask Betty Crocker. If you live here in Taos where it is drier than the Sahara Desert, you'll need all of that liquid. You've been warned. Knead the dough a little bit and roll it out to about a quarter inch thick. Cut out in your favorite shape. The traditional shape around here doesn't require a cookie cutter. You just need a glass to cut the circle, then a knife to cut the slits to for the arms of a crab. I don't know where this tradition came from because there's no ocean around here. But the holidays sometimes bring out the worst in people and their behavior sometimes resembles a Bake your cookies now. Oh, I forgot. You should have started heating your oven around the time that you started rolling the dough. If you are rolling in the dough, then you can hire someone to do all of this for you. Before you bake them, dip each cookie in cinnamon sugar or just sprinkle it on if you're lazy. Then bake for 10 minutes. This recipe makes five dozen. Store them in a metal tin. A big one. Hide them from the kids and from your viejo, your old man, and remember where you put them. Or have him hide them from you. I've got to go now and put my cookies in my oven and then wrap the slippers that I crocheted for the grandkids. What are you giving away for presents this year? Did you make any of your gifts? Are you rolling in the dough? What are your traditional holiday foods? Do any of them taste like black licorice? Are any of them shaped like a crab? Come back next time and hear my granddaughter, La Carolina, tell some of her childhood Christmas stories and her stories as a young mother and as an old one. I wasn't her only grandmother, you know, and you've heard enough from me for a while. Don't worry. I'll be back to tell you more about my viejo, whose birthday falls on New Year's Day. It's scary to think about how old he'd be if he was still alive. But don't tell him I said that. Hasta luego y feliz Navidad. You've just listened to Song Stories, Quiet Stories, podcast episode 10, Christmas in Taos, the second bonus episode of the new musical, Tales of Tila. Contact me and let me know how you're doing with the writing prompts. You can find them in bold lettering in the notes for this episode and the others at mycarolynmerset.com. Once there, you can also subscribe to this podcast and check out my events page. Thanks for listening. Thanks for writing. This is your host, Carolyn Merced, a.k.a. La Carolina. <laughs>